Today is October 14th, 2022, and welcome once again to the Chapter 49 podcast. My name's Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer with Chapter 49 dealing with communications, which for the most part is this podcast. We are very happy you chose to join us today. And of course, uh, Chapter 49 represents most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. I'd like to welcome once again our chapter president, Duncan Giles. And you know, Duncan, it's it's that time of year where all kinds of sports activities are going on. We have college football, we have the NFL. But for me, as an old baseball fan, baseball playoffs have started. And I know you're a Dodger fan, and uh, you know the Dodgers have lost one game in the playoffs. And I know that you know, they've still got two or three games left to go, but you have to go to San Diego. It's a real big long road trip, of course, going from L.A. to San Diego. But uh, your thoughts on the, on the baseball playoffs as a Dodger fan? Um, you know, I look forward to this every year. The Dodgers um, being one of the best teams money can buy. I'll make no bones about it. Uh, you know, just root for them to get back to the series and see what they can do. I think they've got a good ball club. Obviously, um, you know, very good ball club, but they're, as with any, are flaws. And anything can happen with a series. The Padres are a good ball team. When you get down to the final eight teams, they're all pretty darn good. So any of them could make it from here. Because I'm jealous of you already. You know, I'm a Reds fan, and in, and the Reds haven't had much to cheer about for years. In fact, in Cincinnati, the fans are taking out billboards pleading with the owner to sell the team. I mean, that's, that's, where, the, that's where the Reds are at right now. We've talked enough about baseball. Let's get into our issues of the week. We had a, 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 a rumor we talked about a week ago that uh, there would be an edict coming down from management that there would be no annual leave planned and, and approved for the tax filing season, which is right after New Year's all the way through mid-April. And, you know, that used to be April 15th. It's kind of a moving target then, but it's always in mid-April. So that's, that's what, a three-and-a-half-month period where uh, people will not be able to take any annual leave. So um, – as I understand it, NTEU has been very clear in, in its response nationally. And, of course, you also, as a local chapter president, expressed your concerns about it. Now that we know what the, the management is proposing, you know, where do we go from here? Well, first off, I just want to say that um, our folks from national office, uh, from Tony, President Tony Reardon, VP Doreen Greenwald, our director of negotiations, uh, Ken Moffitt and, um, you know, our negotiator with W&I, Ranny, are all uh, livid about this, as am I. This is one of those things where if they'd have come to us and say, hey, look, we're trying to get, you know, this, we're trying to hit these numbers and we need everybody on board. So we're going to, you know, limit during filing season leave. That I could understand, I think national office could understand, because that's been the policy for many years. But to do a blanket and say, we're going to, you know, just shut this off so we can hit a 85% number of level of service, which must be including bots, because there's no way with our the humans that we have on now, even if we keep adding them through the rest of the year, there's no way we're going to come anywhere close to 85% when we, um, for level service during the filing series. We're struggling to hit 20% now. 
And I think the issue here, and this is the issue I want everyone to understand. Now, I'm sure there are people who work as revenue agents, revenue officers, tax compliance officers, and many other jobs within the service saying, well, this applies to people who work on the phone. It really does not impact me. Now, I think what everyone needs to keep in mind is if the service can do this to people in accounts management, they can do this to anybody. Yeah, and there have been times in the past where they've drafted, they've asked for volunteers, and then when they couldn't get enough, they've drafted people to assist on the phones. We've heard nothing about that this year, but at this point, who the heck knows what they're going to end up doing to try and hit this number. Secretary Yellen, Secretary of the Treasury Yellen, uh, mentioned at a meeting at our new Carrollton facility, and it was picked up quite a bit by the press a few weeks ago, about hitting the 85% number level of service. That means 85% of the people that are calling in will at least talk to somebody. And she didn't pick this number out of thin air. So I'd like to know who the person at the IRS was that told her 85% was an attainable goal, because realistically, if you're counting and doing, unless you're playing sleight of hand with some of our accounting, it, it's not going to be possible. Now, I spent some time at that new Carrollton facility. That is one of the biggest IRS facilities anywhere in the nation. It's a huge building in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. So I'm sure plenty of people working for IRS saw that speech, and I wonder what their reaction was, the buzz in the crowd, when uh, that number was thrown out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining that they were looking at it um, quite in shock, and I don't, you know, everybody wants to give the highest level of service possible to the taxpayers. There's no argument there, but there's a right way to try and do it and a wrong way to try and do it. And by telling people, oh, yeah, you're, if you know, sorry, you've got plans in March, you know, you've got a wedding that you're going to, or God forbid, in you're going to, you know, have a cruise booked. You've got stuff going on. Oh, we're sorry. You can't do it. You're going to have much more, uh, many more people leave than you would have uh, staying and accomplishing your goal. Well, nothing like messing with people's wedding plans and honeymoon plans. <laughs> wow. You start messing with that, you you definitely have a problem. But uh, I guess that the bottom line here is that I, I do remember Many years ago, in my years with the service, there was at least one tax filing season where the ACS operation, the automated collection system, the telephone people to do collection work, they were so short-staffed that uh, the management asked for volunteers from the Revenue Officer Corps and got virtually none. I do remember, because I was in some of those meetings where management explained all that. They had a few minutes to talk, talk to me privately, and they made it pretty clear they had no intention of volunteering. So um, I just, the, the point I'm trying to make is uh, one reason NTU is, is very upset about this is number one, for the people who are being impacted. Number two, we think it will not have the desired impact uh, when you just force everyone to be on that phone every day, and that's a stressful job. We can take and call after call day after day. Um, it's, it's going to be stressful and difficult and people are going to take sick leave because they're really going to be sick doing that every day. So there are some impacts. The management is not factored into all this. And you have mentioned there will be people who will go out because there are jobs out there in customer service where people can go and not stay with IRS. So I think 
uh, it's sad that this hasn't been thought through, I think, the way it should have been. So any final comments on this whole not allowing leave uh, from Jan- from uh, the 1st of January all the way to uh, mid-April this tax season? I think it's just a knee-jerk reaction, uh, crisis management mode, and that is no way to run uh, a phone operation of our size. It, it could have been done, again, so much better if they'd have brought into you in from the beginnings to have talks about it instead of just rolling this out. There's another issue dealing with these telephone call, uh, tel- people answering telephone calls and accounts management, and that's the shifts that are worked. You know, the the hours of operation are such that you know, when I started in toll free in 1986, we opened the phones at eight or eight thirty, closed them at four thirty, and everybody went home. You know, and that was the end of it. Well, that that has not been the case for a long time, and it's for the sake of the public so that the public can have more hours. Uh, to to call in and and uh, be able to to contact the IRS that does require people to work shifts and there's been there have been some developments on people working these different shifts what can you tell us yeah apparently there are still some folks out there in accounts management working a swing shift which is a pretty late shift uh, doesn't seem that there are a whole lot of telephone calls going on at that time and what um, IRS has proposed is per the 2012 customer service agreement is they want to move them for an eight week period from the swing shift to either mid shift or preferably day shift so they can have better coverage on the phones. They're trying to do everything that they can um, to basically throw, like I said, get the numbers on the phones. This one, they are actually, um, you know, they can do this four and eight week period per that customer service agreement. So they do have some uh, legitimacy behind that. We're trying to work with them now at the national level to see, you know, if we can, the least amount of impact that we can have. Because uh, quite frankly, I I expressed to the national office in my discussions with them, how many people is this going to impact? How many people do we actually have in accounts management on swing shift? Is this really going to push the needle? Is this something that's really necessary to disrupt folks uh, if it's only going to be half a percent, that type of thing? So that's something we're just waiting on, the the precise proposals that management will come up with? or do, Is that where we're at right now? Yeah, we're um, National NTU has asked for briefings on both of these topics, the uh, the no leave as well as the swing shift moving the swing shift folks they've asked for briefings on both of those so we can determine that a is are they doing it correctly according to uh the national contract as well as the 2012 customer service agreement and b is there anything if they are doing it correctly is there anything to negotiate over for impact and implementation so there's there's still a lot of moving parts here that Everybody is trying to get figured out to make it work best for the employees. We want to get the taxpayers taken care of, but we don't want to do it at the uh, impact of burning employees out. Well, let's move on to another issue. Uh, and this one has is, is one we've been talking about, Duncan, for how many months? I can't even count how many. Reasonable accommodations. We kind of put these in a couple of different categories. There's one set of reasonable accommodation requests, which are – awaiting a, a decision by a court of appeals. Uh, 
Um, and another set where those reasonable accommodations uh, are being worked. There is a grievance nationally about these reasonable accommodation requests that are being worked. Can you kind of sort through what's going on with this whole reasonable accommodation issue? Yeah, there are an awful lot of folks out there who, for whatever reason, uh, even if they uh, have telework where they're only having to come into the office twice a pay period, uh, they're saying that they can't even do that due to specific conditions. Then you have people who aren't covered under telework who say they can't come into the office as much as possible because of the fact that they have these conditions. And so they file for reasonable accommodations. Well, of course, that creates a huge backlog, and we're not sure who's working them or how many people are working them. All we can tell is it is painfully slow in getting responses, and National NTU has filed a grievance about this because the responses simply aren't being done timely. So people are having to come into the office with a issue that they're saying they need an accommodation for, and they're still having to come in. So it, it can be a potentially health risk situation that we want to get solved sooner rather than later. So the bottom line here, if we uh, want to just explain this to people, is if, if you have a pending reasonable accommodation, is there a way to figure, to ask where it's at at this point? Basically, when they ask where it's at, it's being told they're being worked, period. Now, what the definition is of it's being worked, who the heck knows? There aren't any time frames given on how long it's going to take, that sort of thing. And that's that frustrates employees, and that's what's caused the national grievance. So basically they say, well, we're working on it. <laughs> that's all you know. Not a whole lot to go on. So NTU is pushing the management to get some information about exactly how this is working. When you file a grievance, you do have information that has to be exchanged. And as part of that process, the management's going to have to cough up some figures as about how many people are working this, how long it's taking to work them. So that is part of what's going on here, correct? Absolutely. And, you know, just like everything else is we've been starved for employees in places like, uh, you know, reasonable accommodation quarters, uh, coordinators, uh, folks in human resources, that sort of thing. And it creates this snowball effect where it just keeps rolling downhill and getting worse and worse until we get staffed up. And I don't foresee that happening for at least a couple of years. So we, you know, the, the, the grievance is out there and we'll keep you up to date on, on that as best we can as to where that goes. And uh, that unfortunately, uh, grievances can take some time as well. Let's move to something else. I found this is this is very interesting. This came out just after you and I had finished our podcast last week. You probably remember the Inflation Reduction Act, which gave the IRS a huge amount of extra money to staff up and improve the uh, information technology systems. It was uh, a way of trying to get the IRS back up to where it had been many years ago, having lost about 20% of its workforce, according to what Tony Reardon told us when he was with us uh, several weeks back. There's been an interesting side development on that because of all the money that's in the budget now as a result of the Inflation Reduction Act, IRS strangely enough, is better positioned than any other federal agency to withstand a government shutdown. I can explain what that means. 
yeah, we've got a continuing resolution right now going on through December 16th. Uh, even if uh, they don't come to another agreement for another continuing resolution or don't have a budget passed, because of the money that was uh, passed in this Reduction Act, Inflation Reduction Act, management has said, look, we're covered. We can pay everybody. Everybody's going to stay on staff. So that would mean even if there's a government shutdown, the IRS is going to be there working and getting paid. And that's the key point, is it not? Because there were people who were being told they had to come in and work. Excuse me. (coughs) They were not getting paid and our agency and many others. So at least we know, number one, yes, we will be working. Most importantly, when you work, you will get paid. That's a really important thing to remember. Yeah, it's it's getting paid timely because Congress passed something after the 35-day shutdown that employees will not be harmed and they will be get their back pay. But the problem is, is as long as there's a shutdown, usually you're not going to be able to see that pay. And what we're hearing from the Inflation Reduction Act funds is that the pay will not be interrupted for IRS employees. So the key here is that you'll be paid timely, because what I was really saying is while you're working, you were not getting paid. You would get paid later, but a little hard right. to, to deal with life when you're getting, I mean, that last shutdown we had was, what, 30, 35 days? 35 days. And, uh, you know, we all remember that and how difficult it was for people who had finances that were already tight, uh, it wasn't very good. So at least that's good to know. Working for IRS, you will not have to worry about shutdown furloughs. And if you're required to work, you'll be paid uh, uh, as that you know shutdown is going on. Because when we get paid back, it's usually going to take time to get that back pay also. Well, we have some good news. Um, it's not for the right reason, maybe. Because we have very high inflation, we have retiree benefits that are going to be going up. The Social Security Administration is raising its um, uh, uh, the money people get from their Social Security benefits 8.7% next year. People under the CSRS system, I'm one of the few left, I think, uh, who are, are still under that, also get the full 8.7%. Now, if you're under FERS, you're probably getting, depending on what age you are, you may well be getting both. Uh, but if you're only getting FERS and you're not eligible or not taking Social Security yet, you'll get 1% less than that. So FERS retirees, for the first part of their retirement, will be 7.7%. And, of course, if you're FERS uh, retiree and you're also uh, getting Social Security, you will get the full COLA from Social Security. You know, in the old days when this was all being debated, I'm old enough to remember this, about the ch- when that change in the retirement system was, was – uh, being implemented and and, uh, debated before it was implemented. They talked about cost of living adjustments, COLAs, and they talked about the new FERS system as having a diet COLA. So this is your diet COLA, 7.7% for the first part of your retirement. Exactly so. Yeah, they they came up with this several years ago. And again, we want to make sure that people understand that this is due to inflation figures. It has nothing to do with the pay raise. That needs to be done separately by Congress. Uh, This is more of an automatic pilot-type situation that once Social Security determines what the uh, raise in Social Security is going to be, then it triggers the same percent for uh, the CSRS, the Civil Service Retirement Service, and then 1% less 
for the FERS folks, which are the majority of folks who came in after 1986. Yeah, in fact, I was uh, hired, actually, I think it was 84 was the cutoff, because I came in uh, in July of 1983, and I believe people hired beginning in 1984 went under FERS, if I remember correctly. And then it took time to implement everything overall. Like the thrift savings plan took a little time to set up. But I think if you were hired on or after January 4th of 84, you're under FERS. I think I just barely got in in time to to be under CSRS uh, in, in that system. But just be aware. And I think you make a very important point there, Duncan. And as, a, as somebody who's been retired for 11 years, I'd like to remind employees there were many, many years where retirees got little or no raise and employees got some. Well, this has been turned around this year because of high inflation and the fact that the uh, retirement COLAs, cost of living adjustments, are tied only to inflation numbers. Uh, that's why it's high this time and why employees will not be getting uh, a raise anywhere near that high. Yep, that's one of those things where people go, you know, well, we should be getting the same as Social Security and we should be getting the same at least as the first retirees. And I'm, I'm in total agreement. Unfortunately, I'm not a member of Congress that can vote. And that's where the pay raise is going to be coming from. And they are simply not going to go for that high of a pay raise. It's not going to happen. I wholeheartedly endorse each and every person listening to this podcast to get you and your family to contact your congressperson, your senators, your representatives, uh, to ask for the higher pay raise, because that's who they listen to. But I just don't believe it'll be happening uh, anywhere close to that. I think it'll be closer to that um, 4.1 base with a half percent locality pay uh, that the president has suggested. So it's it's uh, it's not as high as one would want, but at least there will be a raise next year for employees. I've been through that. I certainly understand how everybody feels who who uh, is impacted by that. Let's talk about something else. You know, Duncan, I um, I, I I I jumped in full fledged yesterday. Went to my local health department. Not only got my COVID booster, but I got my flu shot all at the same time. And that was yesterday, and here it is, morning of the next day, and I'm here to live and tell you about it. I'm okay. And I I do want to let everyone know that there's now a a provision that allows employees to schedule four hours of paid leave to get this new COVID booster shot. And And I want you to mention to people that one reason IRS employees were guaranteed this before there was any government-wide announcement is because our contract already calls for that. Exactly so. OPM has come out with this and saying, uh, you know, you do get the four hours if needed, up to four hours if needed to go get these boosters. And we had a quite a lengthy discussion, um, you know, during the summer of uh, 2021 when we were negotiating this contract about getting time, administrative time for boosters, because we had the foresight to realize that this was not going away anytime soon. There would be different variants, things of that nature. And so we wanted to make sure that in the contract that there was time, if you did need to get boosters, that you're available to do so. So, you know, I'm, I'm very happy that OPM has decided to uh, come into step with, lockstep with us in this particular provision. So once again, four hours allowed to get your COVID booster shot. Now, there's already a provision on flu shots. Remind me how that works. 
yeah, flu shots, basically the same thing. You, um, you know, let your manager know that you're going to be taking it and you can get up to four hours, uh, you know, travel that includes travel time, getting the shot, things of that nature. So yeah, there's, there's time to get the boosters. There's time to get the annual flu shots as well. I did, as you did, had a, uh, had a doctor's appointment, uh, probably a few weeks ago and you know my doctor said you know okay have you had the covid booster no i was waiting for the latest booster shot well we've got that so you can get that today have you gotten your flu shot no not yet so okay we'll give you both of them today so i did i did the same thing and was back at work the uh the following monday i did it on a friday and I, we should note that the uh public health professionals, the people who understand this, look at all the data, analyze it, they're saying two things about the coming winter season. Number one, there's a serious fear that there'll be a COVID outbreak. So at least you have your, uh, uh, at least if you have your shot, that'll minimize any, any uh, health issues you have. If you do get it, even if there are more variants, this will still help you as best we know now. And the second thing that people are saying at the highest levels of public health that uh, we are in for a bad flu season as well. So it's very important for everyone to get your shots. If you have health insurance under the federal government, either as a retiree or an active uh, federal employee, it's almost certain that the shot's going to be covered by your health insurance. What you need to do is get take this time you're allowed to take, get your flu shot and get your COVID shot because that's a way of protecting you and your family. Yeah, and this is something that's not going away. Um, my awesome girlfriend, Kim, was uh, who is in a research scientist type position. We were talking about this just last night because she was noticing uh, some of the studies that have been done on the variants that are coming back, and they're coming back strong. The uh, it's, it's starting to sweep over Europe. It is starting to hit the United Kingdom. And it's starting to inch away here with the different variants that are going on. And unless you've gotten the latest booster shot, you're not really protected is what she's seeing and everything she's reading and we're talking about. So it's definitely something that you want to be conscious of and to make sure that you take care of yourself for your for you and your family. So make sure your family's covered as well. One last comment for me, my final comment here, Duncan, and I'm anxious to hear your reaction, is that uh, one thing we all need to think about is there are elections coming up. Uh, there's a Senate election, U.S. Senate election in Indiana, and you'll, depending on where you live, you have a U.S. member of Congress up for election as well. These are federal elections, and there are rules uh, about the Hatch Act, and even in lo some local elections, you you have rights and you have limitations on how you can be involved in uh, election campaigns. So, so Duncan, maybe just a quick uh, review of those rules and what you need to do if you have a question. Yeah, one of those things that we take training on every year is the Hatch Act. If you have questions about that, just go on the IRS webpage. And in the search box, do Hatch Act. You'll get all sorts of information. You want to make sure there are certain political activities you can do. You can talk, you know, if you're at home and things of that nature, you can talk about your advocacy for a particular candidate, party, something like that. But you don't want to collect money for anyone. 
in any sort of partisan political race. So there are a lot of things that are very gray areas. You don't want to do anything at work. You don't want to wear buttons at work. You can wear buttons at home. You don't want to wear a T-shirt that advocates for a particular candidate or party at work. Well, you can do that at home. So if you have questions, review those rules, contact your local union chapter. Um, We'll be happy to assist you with that. We want to make sure to keep everybody out of trouble. That's the main thing. You know, my father was a civil servant, and I can still remember the days when civil servants for the federal government were not allowed to be involved in elections at all, ever. But now let, you can off-duty with your own equipment and your own, you know, your own materials. But the one thing I think you, you made a very good point, let's say you want to volunteer on a phone bank for a, a candidate you're supporting. That's fine. But if somebody wants to make a contribution while you're on the phone with them, you got to turn that call over to somebody else. Don't ever raise money or take money for a candidate, a political action committee, or anything like that. So all good points, Duncan. If you have questions, contact your local chapter. Uh, you know, cha- Chapters are well-versed on that, and if chapter officials don't know the answer, there are people at uh, National NTU who can get that answer pretty quickly for you. So don't be afraid uh, to do that. Okay, Duncan, your final comment. Uh, my final comment today is to, you know, I've had uh, two the two most important ladies in my life, uh, my daughter a few years ago and uh, my girlfriend uh, in this past week or so, both had good jobs, both had decent jobs, but they weren't completely satisfied uh, with those positions. And they strove to find other jobs that suit them that suit them better, and both of them are now in jobs that uh, will be a better fit for them. So I would advocate if you're not happy in your position here in the IRS, or if you're listening from another federal government agency, or even outside, if God forbid, why you'd listen to this podcast if you weren't uh, involved with the federal government, I don't know, but God bless you. Um, that, you know, go for what's going to make you, you know, job satisfied. You're, you know, happy as an inside job, but job satisfied. If you're not getting that satisfaction from your job, you know, another one's not going to just fall in your lap. You're going to need to work at it to get your resume out there. If you want another government job to be on USA Jobs, looking for jobs in your area, remote positions, something that you think might suit your talents better, because that's, we, I always want people to improve their life situations, whether it's their home life, work life, whatever it is. So if if you're not entirely satisfied, you think you could be doing more, by all means, go out and apply and look for it. And you just heard from Duncan Childs, our chapter president for Chapter 49. We represent most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. And we want to thank you for taking time out to watch and or listen uh, our audio podcast on just about any platform just search under podcast by larry landon l-a-n-n-a-n and uh, also we're on youtube go to duncan giles just there's more than one just find the duncan giles account which has all the chapter 49 podcasts listed there and you you'll see all the podcasts we've had going back to when we started uh, our video podcast version So, again, we we thank you for taking time out to watch and or listen to this podcast. We try to do it weekly. We're as weekly as we can be. We miss a few every now and then. But uh, Duncan and I do this because you people are watching and listening, and we very much appreciate that as well. If you have any comments on this or want us to talk about any subject, 
email at nteu49 at aol.com. And please be safe and be kind.